0: When we have worked with our client, be it a session or several sessions, now we come to an end. How do we close the session or the work? What do we do best that our client benefits most from the work we have done with that? I'm Axel Hombach. I'm a hypnotist in Cologne and a trainer for self-hypnosis. I'm sitting here in London currently with Dr. John Butler, the director of the HDI, the Hypnotherapy Training International. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. Hello to our listeners. So, we have worked with our client. How do we make sure that he gets most out of the work with him?
1: Okay. Now, that post-hypnotic interview stage, I'm assuming, of course, we've ended the session with good positive programming and we're going to count them out in a careful, appropriate manner, giving them lots of positive affirmations, affirmation suggestions and so on, so that we minimize any residual hangover from negative experiences they've had. Because even though they processed it all, I mean, it's a lot has been stirred up actually sometimes, and we want to put them into the most positive state they can achieve with positive looking forward to the future. So good programming, and good programming for follow-up work that they may need. So they're looking forward to with enthusiasm. Now, as you come towards the end, before you count them out, we'll often ask them, who do I remind you of? It's a question from Gil Boyne that, surprisingly, hypnotherapists say, well, why does he ask him that? Well, of course, it is to check out subconscious identifications. In the old Freudian and pre-Freudian literature, they talked about projections, and it is a form of projection that we're checking out. Are they projecting things onto us that are not healthy for the therapeutic process? They might project, well, you remind me of my uncle. Uh, we will always say, what qualities do I share with your uncle? And they will say, well, he was a strong character. He was a forceful character. All right. Now, let's assume for the moment, let's just imagine at least that this chap, this uncle was somebody who'd abused them. And yet they've made that connection with us. Well, we then have to, and the subconscious will make many links, sometimes inappropriately. Anyway, we'll then ask them, in what way am I different? What qualities separate me from your uncle? Well, you're kind, you're understanding, and you would never do anything abusive like he did. And from that, we can be pretty happy that they're making, at this stage, a good separation, which will get better as we go along. But if there was something hanging in there, that was confused in their mind, they were finding it difficult to separate both of us in their mind. We would need to look at that carefully. As you know in Freudianism, it's transference, counter-transference, and counter-counter-transference, and that whole process of separation and taking back projection can go on forever, or at least a long time in the therapy, and actually create more problems than it helps, because the trying to left too long processing that with not enough interventions in the therapy where from a hypnotherapy point of view to a great extent apart from the positive connection they made we want to break the connection as soon as possible I am NOT your uncle and get that out of your mind really so you can go forward and the therapy can go forward without that contamination so that's one thing to check on we also asked them what homework?
0: There is a video with Gil Boyne the mm-hmm. case of Bud, where Bud, the client, identifies Gil with his father who was very
1: abusive. Yes. And there you can see how elegantly he resolves the Absolutely. Situation. From that, there's education. Not only the separation, breaking the connection, mm-hmm. client owning, taking back the projection, but positive things. I mean, there were positive things in the father with Gil. You see, he was linking those because I think in Bud's mind, the father was very capable he was also quite forceful and Gil had those qualities so Bud says well here's another person who's like that but of course the father had negative effects on Bud which we don't want to be associated with Gil of course so Gil as you say used it very skillfully the people have a lot of homework usually things like for example now that I see my father more clearly and a lot of what he did to me he felt was for my good he was pushy. He was critical. He wanted me to get on in the world, to take advantage of opportunities maybe he never had. Yet, so I know that he was misguided when he bullied me, mistreated me. So I can begin to forgive him. On the other hand, well, sometimes he was negative and critical for no good reason, other than his own anger and, you know, hostility to himself and other people. Okay, well, I can begin to forgive him but I'm going to now take in all those positives that I now see he felt towards me. I begin to feel his love. I get out of being a bottomless pit. I begin to redevelop the relationship with the parents, who may be living or dead. There may be several aspects to that, by the way, that are important. We often do a gestalt prayer, as it's called, you know, which goes on to this, you know, at the end of the day, I am I and you are you. Yeah, very powerful and useful tool. Absolutely that's a part of really getting maturity and separation to get us out of that oh I'm still waiting for my father to fix me to correct the mistakes he made the damage he's done me because many of our clients at least they're very much stuck at least in the area of the problem they're very stuck in a childish position a victim position rather than the uh, strong adult role that they need to uh, take in and have them take that role so they're saying goodbye to several other things they usually happen earlier but even at the very end, there may be a need to look at something where they're a little bit stuck. Usually, again, you have dealt with the impasse. In the case of Bud, there was an impasse, Even though he'd seen the positives now from the therapy with Gil in the previous session, and in the session he was now working, in the second session, he there was a part of his mind still staying stuck, wanting the father to love him before he would learn to love others or love himself. And as Gil pointed out that impasse and said, You need to face it you need to essentially grow up and start becoming self-loving anyway as you're about to count them out of the therapy and bring that session to an end with good positive suggestions for feeling good and good suggestions based around what they've revealed you really are setting the scene for the future and getting commitment homework is part of that commitment to change that's where i say you may be into the sense there's a bit of a block Maybe if I say to them, well, now, now that you're learning about self-love, you're learning to empower yourself, tell me one thing or two things you're going to do. Different from what you've been doing to yourself in terms of undermining yourself and not giving yourself the best of life. Tell me one thing you're going to do. And then they may reveal, well, I can't think of anything. Now, that may be that they just need a little bit of prompting, a bit of education, or they're still part of their mind holding back and needs a push. It's more rare for that to happen. And it doesn't mean therapy hasn't been very effective and successful. Remember, there's different parts of the mind here. this part is the negative part, maybe, or the very childish, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid to take a risk and go out on a date, go out and meet people. You know, I've been all holding myself back these years, and now I've seen where I've been blocked. You've helped me, and I begin now to love myself. But to get them to do the homework is another little step. And clients need little pushes. When you work with homework, do you suggest homework
0: that is related to what came up in the session, or do you bring your client to the point to suggest homework him or herself? Well, you see, I've asked them to suggest it. Yeah, you Um, you
1: mentioned that, but I thought when they don't know what to do. Oh, yes, yes, you can give them some prompting. I said, well, Are you prepared to um, now take time out of your work life? Because you're working yourself to the bone, to death here practically. Are you prepared to give time for your own hobbies, special interests? Spend time for your relationships, which are suffering. Or do you play your favorite music? Or as I've often said to people, or some form of artistic enjoyment, creativity they need to do for themselves to reverse the negative way they treat themselves. So we can make suggestions, give some guidance there. Preferably, things come from them. and We check out the commitment when we suggest, well, now, does this make sense? How about from now on, you're going to take time for a round of golf or playing your favorite music every day. Is that agreeable to you now? Are you committing to that? So that we, next week we can check up on how you're doing because you're getting commitment. Now, if their body language, if their non-verbal expression shows a bit of a lack of commitment, then. You push onto that and say, All right, now let's look at how you're inhibiting your response here, how you're holding yourself back from taking power and responsibility, making change happen for yourself. And sometimes it's more minor. It's not that they really are determined to avoid change and stay in their secondary gains, which could be very self destructive ones. It may be they just need a little bit of assistance, encouragement. A few more suggestions about confidence to go out on the date or say, be assertive with their boss or wife or husband. So this is part of setting homework, getting you, commitment. Yeah, do you call it
0: homework?
1: Yes, very much so. It's a good word to use. We like it mm-hmm. because for the client it means, okay, there's things I can do for myself. There's things that are beneficial, this therapist in me. He's thinking about or she's thinking about things that I could do that'd be helpful. So I'm grateful for that. As another part of the mind may not like it totally, it says, oh, God, it's like school, homework, I hate homework, I don't want to have homework, I just want to wait for everything to change by itself. No, so they're sometimes in mixed minds. But I've often said at the very beginning of this, well, with clients, and we say it in our training, in hypnotherapy, compared to most forms of talk therapy, standard psychotherapy, there's a lot more homework, and that's very empowering. There are things you're doing and you're seeing the benefits, feeling the benefits of it. You're playing your recording all the time. You read certain books. We give them books to read, recommend them get certain books which relate to the problems they've been having. That's called bibliotherapy. And we teach them that life is therapy. To go out and connect with life in a much more vibrant, fuller way. So that commitment to life, participation in life, living life to the full, it's very much a part of what hypnotherapy empowers people to do. so. That's what you're doing, is you're concluding the session. Really getting the commitment for that kind of work. Clarifying any last questions or confusion might be in their mind. Check it out. Is that clear to you now? Are you okay with that? Are you ready to make that commitment? And so on. And make sure you get yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay, in this case it's more closed questions
1: than open questions. Absolutely. Closed questions very important in therapy in helping the client, in managing the session. The way it came across, it's also that you exert some pressure on the client. Which they need to help them yeah. when they're doubting. And maybe wouldn't put that uh, appropriate motivation level into themselves. Yes. You're holding up a mirror for what they need to do. Mm. And At the end of the day, may not be, may not always be liked in every case that you're doing that. Well, we are, the are matter, not there to be liked. We're there to get the job done. Yeah, And another part of their mind, though, likes the fact that they're in a process. You're going to check up when they come back the next time. And it won't be sort of a talk therapy question like, how has your week been? You know, it's nothing like that. We say, how can I help you today? Meaning from last week, what was happening? And is there a new goal or you're, you want more help with what you came up with? What mm-hmm. with the first goal you came up with here? And then you're into how are you getting on with your recording? And you're checking up, Axel, on all the homework you gave them. Yeah. yeah. Well, my
0: experience is that when I give them a recording, in 95% people say I didn't find time to listen to it.
1: Well, now we're eating with follow-up sessions mostly, but yeah. yeah. Well, you didn't find time. Well, you can't lose time or make time or kill time. Yeah, where did you, you look for it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The fact is... It's your prioritization. You gave your time to other things, if you want to see it that way. You can only do things while while time passes. Time is one-directional, as Einstein and everybody else has observed. (laughs) Unlike many phenomena in physics, time only moves one direction, and then that's what you have to deal with. Interestingly, when I uh, give them
0: a book to read, usually I give them the book and they have to bring it the next time,
1: they read it. Yep. that recordings seem to have something to it. Actually, it's often part of their self-sabotage, and you educate them out. That. That's the part of your mind that wants to ruin you, that doesn't want you to move forward. Hmm. There are negative, self-destructive parts. Remember that positive and negative polarity in nature, in yeah. hot and cold, and positive and negative in electricity, and so on. In the mind, love and hate, self-love, self-hate, will to fail, will to succeed, will to live, will to die. The client must learn to choose and take responsibility for their choices. That's what their life is composed of, is their choices. Yeah, I like to tell them, ah,
0: you've met the beast.
1: Yes. That closing that you described, is
0: that also what you call the post-hypnotic interview, or is that a different stage?
1: No, we are really... Just about now, about the count of five. So, you do a lot of beforehand, mm. getting commitment to change and so on. In the trance, checking out the subconscious identification, count them out to five, and now you get this. Now, tell me about that experience and say, Well, that was amazing. I never realized this affected me so mm-hmm. much. Homies of regression, I was sure I would go back and be critical of my father, but it was my mother. That's where I went. I said, Well, that's what your subconscious selected at this time. Whenever we re- you work with regression, with you next time, maybe your father, maybe somebody else. So you did the good work. Now tell me anything about that, anything very specific about your learning here. Well, and then they tell you what they told you. And you can add to that or clarify some things for them as you're really about to send them away now in a very positive way, positive expectations, knowing what they learned and what their homework are this whole idea that life is about learning so they're going out there to empower themselves to become really their own therapists. this is what you're doing in hypnotherapy so that they go out then out of your office to get on with life and go out there and meet their needs in appropriate healthy adult manner to leave the past behind to live in the present more and more you've been giving them a whole lot of understanding helping them ho- gain understanding helping them take responsibility and see a direction forward in life they're beginning to see where the progress needs to happen and seeing how they're going to get on with it and then in the next session you follow up with that so you brought good closure to that session okay
0: thank you very much john our time is already coming again to an end if you summarize it in two to three sentences the
1: transtermination, homework, post-hypnotic interview. Okay, well, to put it in quick context, you've done the regression, you've uncovered, you've re-educated subconscious, reprogrammed it, added all the new perspectives, you brought integration. That's where they're at. Now you want to finish up the session, clearing any subconscious identifications that are not healthy. You want to get them to make commitments for their therapy based on what's been uncovered. That's their own process, becoming a therapist. You're giving them the good news suggestions, which the mind would not have been able to accept before. Okay. You're then doing your final stage of bringing them out of trance. Again, with good, positive suggestions, but really looking forward to their progress and even to another session, which they may need with you. And then you are telling them when they're out of the trance, tell me all you learned from that. And uh, this is helping them. Again, reflect consciously. Again, another kind of integration going on there. Yep. So that's great. You've done a very thorough job. Thank you very much, John, for your very thorough job. Thank you. (laughs) Let's then continue with something else in the next podcasts. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Axel, and thanks to our listeners.
0: And to all of our listeners, if you have liked this episode, please give us a like a friendly comment, subscribe to our channels and share this episode via email and on social media. And make sure to follow up with the next episodes. Please check out our homepages. You'll find them linked on the homepage of this podcast. With that said, I'm Axel Hombach, online with Dr. John Butler. Have a great time. Until next time.